You're listening to a resource from Jamboree Anglican Church. Lord, please let our ears and hearts be open to your word today. Remind us of the grace that you've shown to us in Jesus. Thank you for the blessing of being able to sing together and gather in person at church. But most importantly, above all, thank you for Jesus and the kindness, the love and the mercy you've shown to us in him. In his name we pray. Amen. What is the most important thing you've forgotten? What was that one thing that you forgot that completely ruined your whole day? Ruined your whole week even? What was that one thing you forgot that just made you go, Damn, I really wish that I remembered that. That would have been so helpful. Last month, I forgot my mum's birthday. I know, it was so bad. And this is after Jemima reminded me. As soon as I woke up, she was like, it's your mum's birthday today. Make sure you give her a call. Whoop, straight over my head. So what I did was I went over uh, to her house after work to see the pets, went round to the backyard, said hi to the dogs, went inside to say hi to the cats and the rabbits, completely sidestepped mum. I didn't even say hi. And then Jemima comes inside with a big, happy birthday, goes, gives her a hug. And I was like, oh, I think I've forgotten something here. (laughs) Don't worry, I took her out for a nice lunch on Sunday. Uh, So hopefully I'm on the road back into the good books. (laughs) It's not just my mum's birthday, though. The thing is, I forget things all the time. But there's something else that I forget that's more important than my mum's birthday. Or a work deadline or remembering to bring your passport on holidays. Even more important than remembering an anniversary. I forget about God's grace. I forget about the undeserved kindness, love and mercy that God showed to me. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think this is something that we all struggle with. When do you forget about God's grace? When does it slip your mind? Is it when you snap at your family instead of showing love? Is it when you skip reading your Bible because you're too busy? Or is it when you celebrate the faults of others to make yourself feel good? I'm guilty of these things time and time again. Because God's grace, it just drifts from my mind and it takes a backseat. And if this is you too, then get ready to be refreshed. Because tonight in front of us, we have some of the most profound truths about God's grace to us. And when Jody said, I could pick anywhere from the Bible for this sermon, I felt like a child at the lolly shop. And mum said, you can only pick one. There's too much to choose from and it's all so delicious. But in the end, I landed on Titus chapter 3 because this passage reminds us of God's grace and how we should live in light of it. This is a reminder that we all need. And for some of you, this won't be new. This isn't the first time you've heard about this. You've walked through life with Jesus and it'll be a breath of fresh air. And for the rest of you, this could be the first time that you've really thought about God and His grace. And if that's you, then you're in for a treat tonight. Because God's grace, 
It's love on another scale, on another planet. It's kindness, love, and mercy to new heights. Now, before I get stuck into the passage, I want to read you an important verse right from the end. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. These teachings that we're about to read, they're good for every single person. Now, as I read Titus chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, try and work out what these teachings are. What are these teachings and why are they so good for everyone? Because some of them might surprise you. They definitely surprised me when I first read it. Starting at chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarrelling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy and evil, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So... What do you think these good and beneficial teachings are? What did you guys pick up? Call them out. What did you notice? Don't slander. Don't slander, yeah, from verse 2. Submission to authority. Yeah, submission to authorities. Mm. Anything else? Be humble. Be humble. That's a, <laughs> it's a tough one sometimes, eh? Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive into all these in a minute. But first... I want you to imagine that you, each one of you guys, wrote down a list. Wrote a list of things believers should be doing that are good and beneficial for everyone. What do you think would be the first thing you put down on the list? What do you think would be the first thing you'd remind a believer to do that was good and beneficial for everybody? Would you write down, make sure you give to the poor. Oh, Don't lie to people. That's the most important thing. Don't lie to people. Or maybe you'd say everybody should come to church each week without fail. I mean, these things are all great to do, right? But I was really surprised with how Paul starts his list. Were you? Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Followers of Jesus should be submitting to the government. (laughs) That's the number one thing on the list. It can seem a bit strange, can't it? I certainly wouldn't have put it on the top of my list. 
but Paul in the Bible does. We shouldn't be lawbreakers. Instead, we should be ready to do what is good and ready to obey the law. Notice the obedience and readiness at the end of verse 1. Our submission to the government shouldn't be filled with grunts and moans like we're getting up off the couch. Instead, it should be proactive and involve being ready to be aware and act. We should display proactive obedience. In other words, we should go out of our way to obey. It even rhymes. Let me show you what I mean. Let's think about the beloved road rules. Who here can say, you don't have to put up your hand, who here can say that they have never gone over the speed limit? (laughs) You haven't driven, have you? Yeah, I didn't think so. I certainly haven't. How about never using your phone while driving? And who can say they always come to a complete stop at every stop sign, even the one in the church car park? That's actually a stop sign. (laughs) You would forget sometimes, but there you go. (laughs) See, we still need this reminder today. We should go out of our way to obey the rules and be model citizens. Now, sometimes we can think these laws are trivial. Oh, it's not a big deal, man. Don't even worry about it. But it's a big deal to God. Why? Because submitting to the government is a teaching that is good for everyone. It's not good to put others at risk. So it's good. It's good to not put others at risk to a COVID outbreak by being COVID safe. That's a good thing. It's good to put the needs of others above our own by paying taxes. And it's absolutely great to not use our phone while driving to love other people on the road. I can tell you right now, there have been spiritual battles fought in my car over not using my phone while driving. So my phone sits in a cradle in the car down in the middle. And the only way that I can choose music is if I touch my phone. There's no little setup on the car or anything. And to touch your phone is illegal. So sometimes when I'm leaving the house, I forget to put a banging playlist on. And I just zoom, I'm out the door, I have to be somewhere. And then I'm in the car. And I think, oh no, I have to listen to the radio now. (laughs) I mean... If the radio works for you, that's just that's great, that's fantastic. But I literally can't do it. I'll just no, no way. So I sit there, my phone's just here, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, it's the play button's right there for Spotify. I just all it would take is one press. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No one would even notice, and I will make sure that it's safe. And sometimes my finger goes out to touch it. I'm gonna pull it away. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I sit there and I usually end up pulling over and putting a song on or I just decide that it's God's will and I'm going to pray for the rest of the trip instead. (laughs) See, sometimes it can be a struggle and a real inconvenience to submit to the government. But we should be ready to obey as we seek to love God and our neighbour. Now, if you thought living out verse 1 day to day was tough, wait till you get a load of verse 2. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Wow. Believers shouldn't slander others and talk them down. Did you hear what he did? Oh, did you see, did you see what that guy did over there? Oh, 
doesn't he just really annoy you? He really bugs me. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be quarrelling. We shouldn't bicker and fight about things that don't really matter. Instead, we should be gentle. And as you're gentle, you're humble. We should be gentle and humble. Why do you think followers of Jesus need to be reminded of this? Why do you think we need to be told time and time again, be gentle, be humble, or make sure you're not doing these things? You know why? It's because we think too highly of ourselves. Time and time again, we convince ourselves that we're made of top stuff. We turn up to the party and say, Woo, I'm here now, let's get this thing started. We only care how we look in group photos, and we just barge over people in conversations because what we have to say, oh, it's far more important than what anyone else could have to say. We think that if everyone talked like us and walked like us and looked like us, things would just be a little bit easier, wouldn't they? All too often, we can find ourselves talking down other people, either in person or behind their backs. We can be so eager and happy to point out the shortcomings of others. And we can be so quick to prove that we're right, that we don't listen. And then we hurt people. Oh, and doesn't the last bit of verse 2 just leave you gobsmacked? I mean, I think I would find it easier to stop at every stop sign for the rest of my life than it would be to show true humility to everybody. Doesn't it just make you think, surely they don't mean everybody, everybody? They can't mean everyone. I mean, if you knew, if you actually knew how difficult my boss was, if you just knew how wretched those kids at school were, And if you knew what my co-workers, if you knew what they joked about at lunch, you'd realise that you can't love people like this. I mean, everyone? But the problem with that is, once too, we were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. When we give up on patience, when we give up on gentleness, when we give up on humility, it's because we forget where we came from. Because this, verse 3, this is how God used to see us. Foolish, disobedient, misled, enslaved to lusts and desires, full to the brim of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Whoa. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you really think that you used to be like this? Do you see your life before Christ the same way that God does? There was nothing impressive about us. We were drowning in our sins and on the way down to the ocean floor. And you might not feel it, but it's the way that God sees it. And if you haven't been saved by Jesus, then this is how God still sees you. Now this all looks quite bleak, and some of you may well be offended. 
But I can't water this down at all for you. I can't soften this blow. And let me tell you why. Imagine I'm at Shell Harbour Square and a random bloke walks up to me, sticks out his hand and says, take it. I probably look at him and say, my my hand's just doing fine all by itself, buddy. I'll be good. Have a nice day. (laughs) But if I was out at Jones's Beach, Kayama, drowning at the back of the breakers and a lifeguard pulls up, throws out his hand and says, take it, I'm going to grab that sucker and hold on tight. Jesus is good news because we, we were drowning. When we share the news of Jesus with someone, you don't start with, oh, you're already such a good person. You want to become an even better one? Well, if you live the way God does, you sure can. It's the complete opposite of that. You start by telling them that they're drowning. In a nice way, of course, but you need to tell them the truth in love. You have to remember to do both. It's no use giving people a love-filled message with no truth. Just like it's no use giving people a hard dose of the truth with no love. And sometimes I really struggle. It can be really hard to explain to people how God sees them if they haven't been saved by Jesus. But we need to remember this, both for ourselves and where we share the gospel with others. Because in our darkness, God's grace shines. Have a look at this verse. But when God our Saviour revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Wow. That's just phenomenal stuff, isn't it? But why would God save us? Well, we see it most certainly isn't because of anything righteous that we had done. There's no brownie points that you store up with God. It's not because you did something and thought, ooh, God would really like that, wouldn't he? No, it's all because of God's mercy, his undeserved love and kindness to us. And it was most certainly undeserved. Nobody can earn their salvation. It is given as a gift because of God's mercy. We're not saved because of what we've done. We're saved because of who God is. And this is something that we need to constantly come back to time and time again. Memorize this verse if you have to. Memorize the whole passage, the whole book even. Because this is important stuff. Our God is so merciful, so kind and so loving. Do you regularly catch yourself marveling at these amazing qualities of our God? I know that I don't. Yet this is the heart of our salvation, is it not? It's not who we are, but who God is. But how? How did God save us? We know the why because of who God is. But what about the how? Well, we read on to see that. He washed away our sins. God washed us. Before we were so unclean in His sight because of our sin. And when I say unclean, I don't mean like a little bit of dirt behind the ears. A couple of years ago, I did a tough mutter obstacle course. 
you don't know what it is, 17 kilometers long is a whole bunch of obstacles and it's actually a heap of fun. And you would think for an event with mud in the name, I would have been prepared for how much mud there was going to be. (laughs) But nobody could be prepared for how much mud there was. At one point, I was literally swimming through mud. It was... I literally, at one point, I walked forward, stepped down, and went instantly up to my hip in mud, and I lost my shoe a meter down underground. It was, oh, it was a whole ordeal to fish it out. It was ridiculous. And I got mud in places that you didn't even want to know about. But afterwards, I literally had to throw my clothes away because they were so filthy. And this is what we used to be like in our sins. But God washed us clean despite how sinful we were, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Now that we've been cleaned, we have new life through the Holy Spirit. And God doesn't just tell us and say, you got this new life, off you go, you'll do great. He gives us the strength to live this new life. If I asked you to perform open heart surgery on somebody, chances are you'd have absolutely no idea what to do at all. I certainly wouldn't. If I picked up a scalpel and tried to perform surgery on someone, all I'd end up doing is killing them faster probably. But if I gave you the mind and the hands and the training of a cardiothoracic surgeon, you'd be able to do it. You could perform the surgery. See, when God gives us this new life through the Spirit, He doesn't just tell us all the things we should be doing and leave us in the dust. He gives us His Spirit. His Spirit is like His mind, His hands, and His training. He gives us what we need to live our new life. We aren't saved by our own might, and we don't accomplish our good deeds by them either. Again, it is all God. But... How do we get this spirit? Sounds like a pretty sweet gig. I want some of that. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God gave us his spirit through Jesus. And now we get to one of the greatest miracles of all time. Because of his grace... He made us right in His sight. Because of the grace of God, we have been made right in God's eyes. Now, God sees us as innocent. If you believe that Jesus is the ruler of everything, absolutely everything, and that God raised Him from the dead, now when God looks at you, He doesn't see a sinner. He sees us as innocent in Christ. It's like we failed an exam, absolutely bombed it. But then Jesus walks up and he swaps his paper with ours and we get 100%. How good is that? We are 100% sin-free in God's eyes because of Jesus. Because we have now met God's standard, we don't face punishment for sin anymore. Jesus already faced it for us. But it gets, if you couldn't believe it, it actually gets better than this. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. 
I mean, if God hadn't already done enough, he just goes above and beyond, doesn't he? He gives us confidence in eternal life. Do you have confidence, absolutely unwavering faith, that you have and currently possess eternal life? Have you done enough? Have you spent your time and your energy and organized your life in a way that means you'll get eternal life? Did you store up and get enough brownie points with God? If you think that it works like that, you might have been asleep for this whole sermon because that's not how it works. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God has already done. If somebody asked me, Jacob, do you really have confidence in eternal life? I would say, 100% my man, I can assure you I have confidence in eternal life. And this is coming from a guy that has gone through some serious doubts over my life. I've gone through serious doubts and wavering and points in my faith over this very issue. Can I really know that I'm saved? But now, thanks to the grace of God and how His Spirit has worked in me, I know I can be un- have unwavering confidence in eternal life. Why? Because it was given to me. It was a gift. I didn't earn it. Eternal life is a gift from God. And what a good gift it is. I mean, come on, eternal life? Every time I think about it, it, just, it boggles my mind. Like, it's so good. And what a generous gift it is from our God. When we were at our worst, God was at his best. That's who he is. The best all the time. Full of kindness, love and mercy. Gracious beyond compare. The one who gives us eternal life. Our salvation. The limited time that I've spent on these verses barely does them justice. Look at how Paul goes on to describe the very words that he just wrote. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. We should insist on these teachings that we've heard tonight. We should insist on who we were, what God did, and who we are now in Jesus. We should insist on his grace to us so that all of us who trust in God will absolutely devote ourselves to doing good. God's grace is the fuel for our good works. And we can sometimes be tempted to think, oh, works, works, man. God's grace has got me, baby. I'll be just fine on my own. Time to have a snooze in the hammock. But if you aren't absolutely devoting everything you have to good works, then I don't know if you've understood God's grace. Don't just sit back and hum along life in your hammock. There's so much good work to be done. And believers who really insist on God's grace remember where they came from, what God has done, and who they are now in Jesus. They will be devoted to good works. We have this new life empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can be devoted to these good things. 
But you might be thinking, well, what are good works? What are good, lo- what are good works really look like on the ground day to day? What am I putting in my calendar for the week? Well, I can think of a few things right now from this very passage, like verses 1 and 2. We should submit to the government, obeying the rules and regulations, being model citizens as we seek to love God and our neighbour. We should be gentle, patient, quick to listen, and show courtesy and humility to absolutely everyone. We should be gentle with people who irritate us and ask God to help us be patient with them. We should bear the burdens of others rather than celebrating their faults. Because we know all these things are good and beneficial for everyone. But what is the most good and beneficial thing for someone? What's the absolute best thing that can happen to a person? It is for them to know Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. It's for them to be brought from death to life. To personally know God's amazing grace. This is a trustworthy and important message that we've heard tonight. So much so that we should absolutely insist on it. And can you see why? Do you see why that we need to insist on this? It's because we forget. We forget who we were, what God's done, and who we are now in Jesus. I forget, and I'm sure you've forgotten too at points. But at the end of the day, we'll forget our mum's birthday. We'll forget to bring our passport on holidays. And, God willing, I hope we don't, but we might forget our anniversaries. But we should never forget God's grace. It's just too important. We need to insist on this. Because it is amazing grace. This is just amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord of all, thank you so much for the grace that you have shown to us in Jesus. In light of this grace, help us to realise who we were what you have done and who we are now in Jesus, washed clean with a new life. Convict us of this truth, Lord, and help us to insist on it. Help us devote ourselves to good work, to be loving, gentle, and patient with others, to be submitting to the government, even when it's difficult, Lord. And help us to go out into the world and insist and share this life-changing message with people. For your glory, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. For more information, head to jambrewanglican.com.